Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 You guys are going to love today's episode from our ministry series. Linda Martin is a music therapist and the president and core team lead for Miracle 139 International, which serves 36 countries. She has an amazing heart for special needs ministry and an amazing story that I know you'll want to hear. So let's get started. Well, hi, Linda. Welcome to our podcast. We're excited to uh, talk with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Linda, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? So uh, my name is Linda Martin, and I guess I'm here really because I have a passion and a heart for disability ministry. And really, it's become my life's work, which is pretty amazing to think about. But my story started really kind of out of nowhere, I would say in high school, I just started hearing a little bit more about autism, wanting to understand it. I don't really have anyone in my family or anyone that I was personally impacted um, that has disabilities. So all I can say is God really put it on my heart at at a young age. So right after I graduated high school, as I was going to college, I started working in residential care centers for children with significant uh, challenging behaviors and just found a love for for these children and trying to understand them and meet them where they're at. And meanwhile, I was studying music therapy. So I went on to get my master's in music therapy from the University of Kansas and absolutely loved being a music therapist. After I got my master's, I moved to San Diego and worked in the schools here for a little bit over 15 years, um, working directly with students. One of the best parts about being a music therapist is I also get to work with the educational team. So working alongside the teachers, of course, but speech therapists, occupational therapists, kind of teaming up with them um, to provide a, a holistic educational approach. So I just feel so fortunate to have learned so much from interacting with so many different, um, so many different members of a student's educational team. And then uh, the ministry side. So obviously I'm a believer, have always been really active in my church, but I was doing the worship side of things, obviously, because uh, I'm also a musician. So I was doing worship ministry and Then I uh, got asked by somebody through a school connection to go do training at their church for their volunteers. And I said, I'd love to. They were just starting a a disability ministry there. So sure, this is exciting. Let me come help train. I'll go to my church and see how they run their disability ministry. And my church is a mega church. At the time, there were like 8,000 people on a weekend. So I went to the church, said, hey, can I observe how you guys are running your disability ministry program so I can have a little bit of knowledge going into this training I'm going to provide. And they were like, oh, well, we don't really have a need. Uh, We don't have any kids with special needs here. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that my, I mean, gosh, I get emotional just thinking about it now that the, I had no idea that the church was so unaware of the needs of families that have children with disabilities. It just broke my heart. So from there, I mean, obviously I continued um, in the music therapy field, but started developing a special needs ministry at my church. 
That was back in 2007. And just grew it from there, from providing supports on Sundays to more community outreach events and resources for families. And then into the international side, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But yeah, it's been a journey and I'm so, so thankful and blessed to be able to do it. Oh, that is so amazing how God works all those details together to bring you to this point. And so, you know, Linda, we know that you began a ministry called Miracle 139 International. And so we wanted to hear a little bit more about that and what led you to create that ministry. Yeah, so Miracle 139, kind of an interesting thing about disability ministry. (laughs) I feel like we're always trying to kind of meet the needs, but be politically correct. So, you know, our in the forming of the ministry, we went through many phases of, do we call it special needs ministry? Do we call it something else? And we got to a point where, you know, because you want people to know that you exist. So if you call it helping hands, do people really know that you have a special needs ministry? But then when you call it special needs ministry, then are you labeling kids? So there's this kind of challenge back and forth of what do you call things? So it was called special needs ministry. And then we had a, a boy that could read coming into the classroom and was like, why do I need to go into the special needs room? And he had pretty significant behaviors, which is why he wasn't included. But, um, you know, kind of was like, okay, maybe it's time for a name change. So we did this little kind of poll trying to come up with names and somebody uh, suggested Miracle 139. It's based on Psalm 139, mm-hmm. which is the Psalm 139 verse 14, which says body and soul, I am marvelously made. And so everything that our ministry does is really under the foundation that God created with intention, every person, and they are beautifully and marvelously made. And so we really embrace that in all aspects of our ministry. So the international side got or the international word got added on because through the local ministry we were doing on Sundays we had this amazing team of specialists so you know we'd come in everybody's a volunteer and we'd have a school psychologist and speech therapists and an occupational therapist and a physical therapist and behavior specialists and these are all volunteers from our church that came in to serve in disability ministry on Sundays oh, amazing. and I had done some traveling to Latin America I had um, gone and explored a little bit of what special education looked slash didn't look like over there. And I remember being in this room and one of our physical therapists was from Chile. And so we were talking about just how different disability services and supports look in Latin America and really stemming from the lack of acceptance and awareness and such stigma, especially in cultures that have sort of the sin base, right? Like, oh, what did you do to cause, what what of your sin caused your child to have a disability, which we know is just heartbreaking for that perception. But in many countries, it's still, even still today, there's a lot of thinking around that. So we were in this group of all these volunteers and talking about, wow, how amazing would it be if we could take this team with all this wide knowledge and experience and share what we know in places where they don't have access to training. So that's really when Miracle 139 International was birthed, that idea that, wow, even though here we feel like there's still so many things we have yet to grow and to learn, we're not perfect here by any means, but the level of experience and um, just 
expertise that we have here, we wanted to share it. So I spent um, in 2009, about three months in Peru, just working in a school there that was specific for kids with special needs, really understanding, I mean, again, just heart, heartbreaking that kids on the spectrum that had they received education in the States would be learning language, would have some level of communication support, whether that was an assisted communication device or something. But, you know, you saw kids that are um, in that early three to five-year-old range that are drooling and chewing on everything and have no language and largely crying a lot of the time because they don't have any way to communicate and probably so much sensory going on in them that wasn't being met. So really, you know, I came back even more like, okay, we, we got to do this. We got to find a way to, to share what we know. And we've been doing trainings internationally ever since. So oh, I wow. love that. That's amazing. You know, something that came up just as you're talking about it, it sounds like you just have an absolute tremendous team around you. Could you maybe share how that team got developed and did you go out and recruit them or was it just kind of God brought them together without much effort at all? Uh, uh, that's such a great question. One, because the team is everything. I mean, the, oh my gosh, I feel so blessed all the time by the amazing team members that God has surrounded me with. I, you know, you hear all the time, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, wiser than you, that know the things you don't know. And that's how I feel. I feel like I'm so, I have this like amazing team of people that I can ask questions to because I don't have all the answers. And if I'm being transparent, I think one of my biggest fears that I wrestle with God with all the time is like, Lord, don't ever let them leave me. <laughs> like I just, I love them so much. I respect them so much. So um, as you can see, because I'm getting emotional, um, but it's really amazing because the team that we have now, which we call in the organization, our core team has been really together since right before we did our first major training team training in Paraguay in, I think, 2014. So God had kind of been bringing together these little pieces. So just to share a couple stories, one of the the um, team, the, our core team members that does a lot with our curriculum is a, a BCBA, so behavior specialist, works at a non-public here in San Diego with kids with really the, the highest level of need and behavioral challenges. And I met her professionally. And then she ended up serving in the ministry at the church. And I knew her on you know, both sides, both the school side and then now the ministry side. So she's been... Um, with me through it all. Another um, girl on our team is also a behavior specialist. I met her at, I was working at the Autism Discovery Institute kind of on the side because I wanted to step my foot in some of the clinical work. And she was working in the early intervention side at the Autism Discovery Institute. And she came to me and said, hey, I'd really like to you know, work on a project. And I just saw so much energy and fire in her. And then found out later, actually, I think she contacted me later. She had just kind of renewed her faith and said, hey, I see that you're doing disability ministry. How can we team up again? So it's really cool how God has like bridged these really specific people and times. And often it's this, you know, connection between both the professional and the ministry. And then one cool story just to hopefully inspire someone, we were 
really looking for ways that we could better tell our story. And we really wanted a photographer, videographer to help us out. And, you know, they do amazing work. So they can often be expensive. <laughs> so, you know, we we're really looking for a volunteer that could help us out and again, share what we were doing through image and, and video. And so I just put a little, hey, we're looking for a photo video out on Facebook one day and isn't God great? He, lo and behold, has sent us someone that had been working in the schools as a support person, a behavioral support person, had a medical injury in the school setting. So it kind of taken some time out, perfected his craft as photo video, was doing mostly weddings. And then when he found this, he was like, whoa, this is kind of both of my passions together. And he has been one of our like rock solid, goes on every trip with us, really finds a way to capture the emotion behind the trainings that we're doing, which is amazing. And just to give him a little props, uh, his name is Adam. He does in focus, in focus photography. Now he teaches young adults with disabilities, how to photo edit, edit, video edits, really um, honing their skills so that they can use their interests to make money, to have a, have a profession. And it's just amazing how God has, again, Mm -hmm. taken a little Facebook ad, (laughs) a little, Hey, we need help and, and changed all of our lives. So it's really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. That is such a cool story. Um, can you maybe tell us specifically what is the mission of Miracle 139 International? You've told us some specifics, but maybe what is the mission and, and the focus of it? Yeah, so our mission is to improve the lives of children with disabilities by bringing awareness, training, and support to developing countries. So we work in countries that don't already have access to a lot of special education training or resources, and we're really looking to support them the most. So countries that can't afford the training or when we started working in Paraguay, they, so the government had just passed an inclusion law saying that children with disabilities need to be included. Again, this is 2014 that now at that point, they're just starting to talk about needing to include kids with disabilities. But if we're being honest, it was largely done because they needed funding from UNICEF. And the only way UNICEF would provide that funding is if they created laws that said, okay, children with disabilities have a right to education. You need to include them. Mm-hmm. So that's all great, but nobody was trained. So now teachers are getting kids with special needs in their classroom that they haven't had before, no training, frustrated, no support. So those are really the types of places that we like to go and, and help where, again, they just don't have access to that or the money to maybe bring in specialists or create big programs. So um, we also, with the school side of things, our heart has always been to partner where we're going into schools and doing training. So that's obviously usually a public setting and we aren't, we're, we are really making an effort to show Jesus through our actions and through our love and the way we speak. We aren't going in there preaching because we don't want to shut those doors, right? We want to be able to go in and provide training. And so far I haven't had any issues with being a a Christ-centered organization because we go in there with the primary focus of special education training. But then the relationships that we build are where Christ is really 
working. And then with that, we always try when we can to find a partner church, if you will, that is willing to open our doors. And then we'll have a team that's specifically working on the ministry side to help equip a church so that when we're in the schools, we can say, oh, and for any families that are looking to get a church community to be surrounded by a church community, there's this church over here. We've provided them with some supports. They're ready to accept and include you. So kind of this way that we can open a door for families to have a church, but understanding that we're going to need to first equip that church. So we kind of combine the two. And usually what that looks like on a trip is we'll have one team that's really focused on the education side and then a team that's working with the ministry side because the training is so different in, in those two settings. But Wow. Hearing that, we would love to hear some stories of lives that have been impacted by the work that your team has done with Miracle 139 International. Yeah, I'd love to share some stories. I have um, so many, but a couple that stand out to me specifically, one on the school side, we were doing a training in Paraguay and all of our trainings take a train the trainer approach because we feel like that has better sustainability in the long run. So in Paraguay, we were working with the federal government, which again is a, a God thing that he opened the door for us to have this impromptu meeting on the federal level to be able to train their trainers. Um, but he, he worked out it all as he always does. And we start our training and there's a woman in this training. We had about 80 people from all over the country that had come to, to participate in this training. And our team kind of all remembers who she was because she seemed a little checked out and a little distant. And there's some cultural differences. So we may not expect her to be bubbly and over the top, but you know, we were kind of like, okay, we don't know if she really cares about this or is this just a paycheck to her? And in our follow-up with the country, we maintain the relationships one of our team members had gone back out and had gotten in touch with her and she started a school for children with disabilities in a remote area of Paraguay and was so impacted by the training and by the understanding that there just aren't services for kids with disabilities there that she felt led to not only start her own school, but is doing a reverse inclusion model. So she started the school so that kids with disabilities have a place to go, can start learning. And she has this plan for creating, again, a reverse inclusion. So bringing in more and more kids, neurotypical kids, so that it becomes an inclusive school and not just uh, a school for kids with special needs. So um, just to see that, you know, somebody that we may have overlooked, really what God was doing inside of her heart was something we we're not even aware of the fact that she could go start an entirely new school in an area that had nothing uh, is just kind of mind blowing to us. So when you think about how, you know, for any of us in ministry, you go and you plant your seed, but you really don't understand that the seed could not only sprout and it could be a rose bush, but it could be an orchard. And that's how I feel about this school. Like year after year after year, she's impacting kids that would never have had access to education any other way. So that story um, just always reminds me in the tough times, like, okay, this is why we do this. Keep going. <laughs> we can make it through. If she can start a school, I can do my part. So <laughs> we'll keep that going. And then on the um, church side, one story that comes to mind, and again, I, I think this is so closely related to 
what Hope on the Hard Road does with just bringing hope to families and coming alongside of them. On one of our trips to Peru, we had uh, such a blessing. A young man with autism joined us, so skilled. And so he was able to go paint murals at the church where we were working, share his story, which brings so much life because people get to see the ability, right? And I think that sometimes that's missing in other places, that that a disability doesn't have to mean devastation, that there are there is ability, there is worth, there is value in this human's life, and it can be amazing and bless so many other people. So anyway, he was on the trip and his mom was there as well. And so we were doing a little one-day conference at this church and invited community members to come, and she shares her message of hope and what she went through. She actually has two sons, both on the spectrum and her road through acceptance, awareness, being, becoming the advocate, you know, empowering them to be young, independent men. And uh, a woman came up to her afterwards and Jess was in tears and said, I see my son in a different light now. Mm. Mm. It's wonderful. And hers, you know, I don't know exactly how old, but I think maybe a young teenager. And to know that, like, there was a hope there for her that wasn't there before. And there was a sense of value that this wasn't, that her child, which seems kind of unimaginable to me, but right, this feeling of like, oh yeah, my child is on the side and just... Almost forgotten about a little bit until she realized there is worth and there is value. God has a plan and a purpose for your child, and um, for her just to have that revelation, I can't imagine how that must impact her child's life through the rest. Right, the way that she's going to love her child is going to be different. The way she's going to see them is different. And again, I'm so grateful for uh, this mom that took a chance and came with us to share her story because it's made. Um, a forever impact on, on that family's life and probably many others. So yeah, that story sticks out to me also. Oh my goodness. What do you see as the vision moving forward and what the future holds for Miracle 139? A great question. The, you know, kind of story right now is learning to pivot and change a little bit because COVID has shifted things. I mean, even the power of our in-person meetings, having to learn how to do that with volunteers, sometimes in a more remote way through COVID, I think people learn that they can, more people can work remotely. So we've had two of our key core team members move to other states. So we really are working on how do we create, like you were saying, communities of volunteers in different parts of the country that can be part of this story, that can be part of this work. And how do we really engage them and make them still feel part of our family and our community, even if they aren't within our geographic region here? So, you know, building that community within volunteers is so big for us. And then, you know, a blessing that came out of COVID is we we usually go in country for all of our trainings because that relationship building is so important for us. But because of the COVID, we weren't able to do that. So we did our first virtual training last year and impacted 36 countries. We had over 500 participants sign up from 36 different countries and countries that we never would have thought about reaching out to before. 
So, you know, it's really broadened, I think, our vision of what God wants us to do. So we've been kind of pivoting how we're structuring our curriculum, putting a little bit more online so that we can reach more countries at once, start getting their their toes in the water with online curriculum, and then hopefully sending teams out once they get to maybe a phase two so we can still build those relationships. So that's something we're really working on. And, and to your point, you know, because the community is so important to us, it really takes intentionality to think about how can we not only offer the information, right, the content. So, okay, this is how you start a disability ministry, or this is how you, you know, um, improve active learning strategies in your classroom. The content is one thing, but if we really want to bridge Christ-centered relationships, then how do we be purposeful about that at the same time? So it really is taking a lot of, of thought. Um, but, you know, one exciting thing that has come from this and, and, you know, meeting people in different places, God's opening the door, it seems like, for us to go to Lebanon next, which oh. never would have been a thought or an idea before, and in many ways is a little intimidating. But if there is a country that is more in need than Lebanon, I mean, I don't know what it would be. They're just going through so much right now. So the fact that God continues to open doors in places where he he sees a need, I think is um, really cool. So we're going to just keep being obedient to that. Meanwhile, trying to also reach more, more people in ways that are still intentional about creating community and, and having those relationships. So that's exciting. The Lebanon piece, our curriculum piece. We're also trying to build up, we've created a video tips library that's translated into Spanish and Mandarin. So one of the big needs that we saw whenever we were doing trainings was that there isn't really good online content in other languages available. So we have specialists that are recording little two to three minute video tips, and then we'll translate them to Spanish to Mandarin, which obviously, as you know, expands the number of people that will have access to that. So we're really hoping to grow that uh, as another way to reach people, even if we're not in country. So yeah, those are some of the big things are, we're working on right now. Just some, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why we need a team. <laughs> it's a team. You know, one of the things I know you and I have talked about is also the desire for disability ministries and churches. And so do you have anything to speak to on that? Probably a lot. Uh, goodness. I mean, I can get on a soapbox in this, but if I could just implore anyone where you have any kind of investment or roots in your church, go and see if they have a disability ministry. Go and see what they're doing to serve people with disabilities at your church. Sadly, most of our churches aren't doing anything. And I don't mean to say that in a harsh and critical way, but in a way that those of us that care about disability ministry, I think we need to just ask the questions. We need to go look and we need to ask, you know, what is available for kids on Sunday? What is available for adults that may not benefit as much from or, or need more community than that, than being in like the main service on Sunday offers? What are we doing to to come alongside of them? Does our church see people with disabilities? When I go on a Sunday, do I see people in wheelchairs? Do I see people that, you know, families that you can tell may need an extra hand? And what am I doing to offer that? I, I think if we stop assuming that it's happening, we're 
so many more people will be aware that it's not. And I feel like if we can just raise awareness, get the conversation going, you may not be the one that God's calling to start the ministry. Maybe you are. Praise God for that. You're not alone. Uh You have a support network here. We want to come alongside you. But if you're not the person, maybe, maybe God just needs you to ask the questions. Maybe God just needs you to bring awareness to leadership. Maybe leadership doesn't even realize that there are families at the door that don't feel welcome to come through the door because we're not set up and equipped for them yet. Right. So, mm. ah, man, in families, it's people's lives. Yeah. I mean, it's not, are we offering coffee or not? You're, you're saying, are we going to be ready to invite people to come learn about Jesus that otherwise don't have a place to go and families that will feel welcome in a Christian community, whereas otherwise they need a community more than ever, more than anyone. And we're saying, oh, it's not worth our time to create something that's, that's welcoming for them. I just, I don't understand it. So I don't, I don't mean to be critical because people are at different places and I understand that, but gosh, if we can just be a voice, if more people can be a voice and raise awareness, I think there will be change. I don't think that it's people don't want to. I think it's a people don't realize and then they don't know how. Oh, Linda, my goodness, your heart. I just, uh, I want to cry. Like, it's just Mm. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, one of the things we're very intrigued by is this uh, disability conference that you've uh, been a part of in Orange County. Yeah. So the Disability Ministry Conference really started out of Young Life, Capernaum. So one of the area leaders from San Diego was putting together a training for all Young Life leaders that would kind of help them understand how to include kids with disabilities into their Young Life groups. So the conference started several years ago as sort of this Young Life focus. And then realized, hey, more church volunteers and people would just um, from, you know, different organizations would benefit from the information that's being shared at this conference. So they slowly started inviting more people, more churches to come. And through that, it really grew into something that's now mostly conference and church based. And there's still some young life infused in that. There's usually like a young life track um, because they're doing such great work, but it's largely focused on equipping churches. So the um, yeah, the mission of the disability ministry conference is just to equip better disability ministry. And we've expanded a little bit from just like a once a year, one day conference to now trying to create support for churches doing disability ministry, even outside of that one day. So the regional networking groups kind of came from this push to keep people involved and keep people connected outside of the one day conference. And then now uh, the disability ministry conference has started on their website, offering the option for people to subscribe and receive ongoing content. So they're doing lots of um, short videos that provide strategies or content, um, lots of great interviews of people doing disability ministry in a way that would just hopefully spur on and encourage people in the churches, whether, again, you're leading a disability ministry, whether you're leading a, a family ministry, children's ministry, or you're a volunteer that just wants to learn more. So the hope, again, you know, stemming from this bringing people together on a conference date, encourage and spur one another on, but then also now continuing to provide resources throughout the year. You know, Linda, what would you share 
with churches and families about starting a disability ministry? I think the best thing that people can do, you know, obviously other than pray, pray first (laughs) in all things, pray. Um, But don't be afraid to start. I think we have, and I'm 100% guilty of this, but you have these grand visions and oh my goodness, I need to have all this ready and we need this and we need this. And, And sometimes it just means being willing to be a buddy for a child that needs some support in the regular classrooms and then being willing to train a couple other people from your church that would be willing to come alongside a child. And you know, again, I, I also have a passion for how we, we train buddies in churches. It doesn't need to be somebody and shouldn't be somebody that's there puppeteering a child, but just to be there to support. So you don't even necessarily need all this in-depth training, depending on the needs of the child. Obviously we want children first and foremost to be safe, but I would say just, just take a step, just dip your toe in, start where you can, and then things will naturally grow as people seeing the work as people see the work that's being done, see the needs, um, it, it will happen naturally. So um, yeah, don't be afraid. The buddy support is a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say for churches to maybe do to start bringing along volunteers? Like what types of groups of people can easily be a volunteer? Well, I believe everyone can <laughs> be a volunteer. Um, One funny story I share with people all the time that one of the biggest stretches of my faith every week would be, are we going to have enough volunteers for the kids that come and are the kids that come going to be, have enough support from the volunteers. So, you know, Sunday mornings come, you get the little, Oh, I'm not feeling well. I can't come. Oh, I can't make it this Sunday. Start to feel a little nervous and like, okay, Lord, are we going to have enough? And God always matched up the right number of people. But one Sunday, I didn't want to turn families away. And so I was out in the hallway of our church and I saw somebody that had our, you know, blue children's ministry shirts on. And I said, Hey, what are you, what are you doing right now? Did you already serve? And they had served at the 10 o'clock service and we were getting ready to go into the 12 o'clock. And he said, um, yeah, I, I just served at the 10. I was going to go into service at the 12, but you know, what do you need? Do you need help? And I was like, Oh my goodness, I kind of do. Would you be willing to, to serve in our special needs room at the 12 o'clock. And he was like, sure, of course, why not? So we went and told his wife, him and his serve in the 12 o'clock classroom. He was a volunteer for seven years in our classroom from that one day that mm. I just pulled him in because we needed help. So shamelessly. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that to say he was someone that was serving in children's ministry, never really thought about serving in disability ministry and the kids changed his heart. The kids just opened his eyes to a a new level of beauty and a new level of innocence and God fearing this. And it it just was beautiful. And he was the best volunteer (laughs) for, for years and years and years. Um, Such a blessing. So I say all that to say anyone can be a volunteer and I promise you, your life will be changed for the better. Um, but yeah, if you can train your youth, they make great volunteers. We've had some really great volunteers that are um, maybe in the retirement age that really enjoy that one-to-one connection with the kids. Um, and then don't be afraid to reach out to your church and ask, you know, maybe it's a little thing in the, I don't know if people like still bulletin. do programs or bulletins. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they're called. Now. 
Yeah, exactly. That just says, hey, if you have any experience working with children with special needs at, at any level, we'd love to have you. And even if they just come in and provide training for your volunteers, if they can't commit to serving on Sundays, yeah. they're such a wealth of information for your team. And um, undoubtedly, there is someone in your church that has some experience. So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, that's so great. Uh, what is maybe one thing that you'd really like to share with our listeners to help encourage them and bring hope for the road ahead? Uh, great question. I think one of the, this is really based on the season that we're in, but hopefully it will encourage someone else. I think that we have to be energized by opportunities to pivot. Mm. And I think many times we can see this, the change of season that we're in, right? I mean, some churches aren't fully back in person. Some children's ministries aren't fully back serving all the kids. I don't know about for other churches, but finding volunteers that are just as committed as before COVID is hard. Like people aren't serving as much and want to do things from home. And, and there's nothing, I mean, that's a season that we're in. So instead of kind of feeling down about change or feeling down about things that are discouraging, I think we have to look at them as opportunities for extreme pivot and growth. And we're seeing this in several areas of America 139 International. On the fundraising end, things have changed because of people being in person or not in person. Um, all levels, right? How we're training, how we're recruiting volunteers, availability of volunteers, all of those things have been changing. And for a while, I can get in this place of discouragement, like, okay, Lord, this isn't working. Do you want me to quit? Like, is this worth it? Is this needed? Like you go through all these moments of things aren't as smooth. Like before we were kind of coasting, we had this good thing going. It was great. And, and then when you feel these bumps start to come, I think sometimes our natural reaction is like, oh man, I have to get out of this. This isn't working too many obstacles. But instead of that, can we look at, this is a time for we need to revamp. And so I, me personally, I spent a couple of days just with my Bible and my journal and like writing down, these are the things that aren't working like they used to. Lord, what do you want from this? How do we, how do we recreate? How do we re-envision the way that we're doing things to energize people again, to impact more people in a way that the way we were doing it before couldn't. But it really takes us shifting our mindset and being intentional about allowing space for God to show us what that significant change is going to be. So yeah, if I can just encourage us not to be creatures of habit and pattern and feel stuck in that, but to embrace those moments of like, okay, Lord, you're rocking us. And this is uncomfortable, but show us where you want us to go. And I hope that we can all do that in our ministries and in our lives, um, whatever whatever part of our life is being is being rocked. How do we create great change, not just weather the storm or exit the boat? Oh, wow. Just love that. <laughs> Linda, this is amazing. We are so thankful for your passion and um, just your inspiration to all of us. And we just know a lot of families are going to be so blessed by you. So thank you for coming. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, obviously I love connecting with people in this space because it's it's so energizing for me also. And so I, I do pray that people are blessed and feel encouraged and 
if they have questions or want to reach out, I'm always open. So absolutely. Thank you. Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.